Welcome to the next episode of the In Development Podcast. My name is Mariah, and this is a podcast for all you city builders, city shapers, and city dwellers out there that care about driving change toward people-centered communities. On In Development, we talk about how Canadian cities develop in and up. We are presented by IDEA, the Infield Development and Edmonton Association, a nonprofit education and advocacy group bringing together like-minded people working to shape our city. Today, we have a wonderful guest on. Her name is Kimberly Whiten. She has a passion for people, design, and Edmonton's mature neighborhoods. Growing up in Park Allen, she now lives in Pleasant View, which we talk about quite a bit in the episode. She knows firsthand the amazing life that comes with the revitalization of mature neighborhoods. Kimberly sees infills as an opportunity to enhance and further our mature areas in a beautiful and a sustainable way. She also has a background in biology, which is just fascinating to me. We get into that story right at the beginning of the episode, and a diploma from Cornell University in business strategy. Kim found out a perfect balance between creativity and analytics in real estate. Now a full-time designer and realtor, when she's not renovating her home in Pleasant View, much more skilled than I am, or running around with her two beautiful German shepherds, she spends her days helping Edmontonians reach their real estate goals. I learned a lot from this episode, and we're going to talk a lot more about that after the episode, but um, there's only one thing I think that we need to define for you. Uh, there's a neighborhood, um, realtors always talk in neighborhoods, so do we, but um, there's one neighborhood that she mentioned. So for those listeners that are not at Edmonton, uh, she mentioned a neighborhood called Chappelle. It's in uh, the deep south of Edmonton, so kind of on the boundary of, southern boundary of the city of Edmonton, 41st Ave, and I think it's 127 Street southwest so it's kind of a jaeger ridge golf course in the deep southwest there it's a neighborhood all the way down there um my sister actually has a place down there and it makes a ton of sense for her we made fun of her uh, relentlessly for buying all the way out in the outskirts of town but she actually works at the airport so she's uh hr director for swoop uh, airlines so she or for flare airlines sorry so she actually works at the airport so it's really handy for her to you know, navigate to her work from her, the place that she lives. So we had to back off a little bit when she made those good points. Um, I don't think there's anything else that we have to define. Did you have a thought about that? No, I just wanted to thank your sister for making flying around Canada significantly more affordable because uh, now I have seen way more of Canada than I did five years ago and without Swoop or Flair uh, or I think they have a new budget airline coming up too. Or They're always coming in. Yeah. <laughs> in. yeah yeah hats off to your sister <laughs> well she's the one making sure that people are uh qualified when they get hired so she's making sure that the pilots and the uh the flight attendants and all the admin staff are well qualified and trained so i don't think she invested any money in the company but uh, i'll let her know that you said thanks anyways yeah those, having good people is also important <laughs> all right let's get into today's episode so Kim, it is so great to have you here today. I am so excited from this conversation. I feel like from the first time we met, we became fast friends. But what I want to kick off today with is you have quite an interesting background. You took biology uh, in school, and now you're in real estate in the field of development. What first drew you to biology, and how did that transition happen? Um, yeah, it, it is actually, it was a pretty random jump, but knowing me, it actually it made a lot of sense. It felt very right. Um, my background in biology came pretty naturally to me just based on um, my interests in the human body. 
And so that led me to behavioral neuroscience. And I ended up really fascinated with concussion protocol and especially sports concussions. So um, after studying that and being really, really interested in that, I actually suffered from two uh, pretty major brain bleeds when I was 16. And that took, I had, I had finished high school really early, gotten into um, some university programs, and that's when I was doing behavioral neuroscience, um, largely working at the U of A. So um, I, had a, I had a pretty quick start. And, um, and then after the brain bleeds, I was dealing with a lot of migraines and I was studying my own condition and that was really consuming and I kind of burnt out from it uh, because it is exhausting trying to heal yourself by reading about your own existence. So I took a step back from biology and health sciences and I looked towards what had always served me and come naturally and um, really interested me. So I ended up in business development and got a diploma from Cornell in uh, business strategy and game theory. So that was really fun, but I'd always had a passion for interiors. And um, what I learned later in life was a passion for old growth neighborhoods. And uh, that's courtesy of my parents for sure. So real estate was a pretty, um, that was a pretty fun fit to find that I could be both analytical and um, a people person and also share my values of beautiful environments. So anyway, long-winded answer is they're both pretty equal parts of me. So it was a really fun transition to make when in my in my early years. So what I'm hearing is you're quite the fighter. Uh, <laughs> you overcome really big things and you find multiple paths to get to where you're going. That is an amazing story and sets you up with such a strong foundation. Thank you. I um I definitely identify. I think it's really I think resilience is my favorite strength in anyone and especially myself and I definitely identify as unorthodox. And I have I have had very unorthodox um experiences and routes to get where I am and I'm I wouldn't have changed it. So, thank you. I appreciate that. The Cornell business strategy is quite an interesting uh turn as well. What is business strategy look like at Cornell and how does it translate to uh, real estate that you're doing now? Um, so business strategy and game theory are a really fascinating kind of study. It's effectively psychology in terms of large scale businesses. And that is really interesting because it kind of narrows everything down to the human element, which is my favorite. Um, and through that sort of anthropological lens, it becomes really interesting to understand why companies, why businesses, why people move the way they do and operate the way they do. So it all really, it, I mean, it is what it is. It's strategy. It's learning a couple moves that they have already written and how people developed new ones. And that's translated really well to um, getting to know the private sector of of building and how it relates to public sector um, interests, goals, and of course, red tape. You are definitely going to have to give me some books or audio books or podcasts to listen to after because that just sounds insanely fascinating. 
Um, do you feel like it helps you connect uh, with your clients better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at our core, um, our human experiences are pretty universal. And um, and people going through the purchase of, of buying a home or building a home or investing or nesting, we're all sort of looking for um, positive changes and in many ways, validation and just really secure environments and safety. Uh, so yes, absolutely. It's helped me connect with my clients. And I feel like it's also helped me connect with um, builder clients as well. Because I can understand from a, from a business standpoint, the goals, conversion and execution. Yeah, fascinating background. Uh, you mentioned a little bit about your um, fascination with uh, mature neighborhoods, and you said that came from your parents. I'm hoping you can elaborate a little bit on that. What does that mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, my parents, uh, they raised me mainly in Park Allen, and I'm currently living in Pleasant View. They, uh, they recently relocated to, to Mill Creek Ravine, King Edward area. And I always, I always kind of, I like to categorize people into just in real estate, I've noticed two types and there are what you live in people. And then there are where you live people. Obviously there's a happy medium, but the, what you live in people really care about the, um, the beauty aesthetic and function of the home they live in. And then the, where you live in people are the ones that are in maybe more central areas because they want to be by the amenities and the parts of the city that they want to be in. And they will live in the old, beautiful, super basic 1970s two stories in King Edward. And, uh, or they'll live in the fifties bungalows in Park Allen and Queen Alex, that kind of thing. So my parents are definitely where you live people. And, um, and they have always instilled that value in me of the power of being central and the value that just stays so incredibly consistent with being near the university, the river, downtown, parks, White Ave, everything. So um, yeah, it was definitely my parents. We renovated two homes in Park Allen where I grew up and then I moved out to Pleasant View, bought my own place and uh, started yeah, started hacking down walls. Oh, the apple does not fall far from the tree. I love that. And you moved, Mariah and I uh, joked about this, I think on the last episode, um, that you end up kind of moving or living kind of close to where you grew up. Mariah doesn't just yet, but she will. And uh, and I kind of do, and it sounds like you did as well. Um, you mentioned that clients are, or people are um, either where you live or what you live in uh is that kind of is it that binary when uh, when people are approaching you looking to live in mature neighborhoods or um are they trying to get it all honestly um the higher the budget goes the easier it is to have the best of both worlds but i do find lately i with first time home buyers at the very least it's interesting to view how people can really justify their wants and needs within their budget so yes, I, I get a lot of first-time buyers that live in, I sold three homes that were over 100 years old um, to first-time buyers last year, or just in this past year, and they just wanted to live in the areas they wanted to live in, and they thought the house was really cool, but they were just loving the area. 
And then I've also sold some places, you know, way out in Chappelle where I only go for work. And um, yeah, and it's basically Calgary in my books. But um, I've also sold some pretty far out development homes to first time buyers that, you know, maybe they grew up in a, in a newer build home and they see the value in that. And that's what their parents taught them was that, you know, the newer the systems, the less maintenance you do and you pay for that. And that's where the value is. And, you know, I, I didn't have a car the second I turned 16 because I lived on the bus route. But a lot of people, you know, their parents knew that as soon as they turned 16, they get a car so that they can drive themselves because the commute is going to be a little longer. But they love their home and it is, you know, less than 10 years old. So, yeah, it, especially with first-time buyers, second-time buyers, uh, you know, empty nesters, that kind of thing. That's where you see a pretty beautiful blend of those needs and desires and the compromise and, you know, the give and take. But first-time buyers, yes, very, very interesting. I, I want to ask one last question about these second uh, or third home buyers because they're a little bit, like you said, they, they have a little bit more um, knowledge about what they want and what they can afford and that type of thing. So do you have like uh, typical questions that you get asked or typical things that people are looking for uh, when they're coming to you looking to buy their, their second or third or final home or whatever? Yes. Um, no surprise. The number, like the, I'd say the two things that people are really picky about or really wanting are the primary suites to be pretty stunning, um, spacious, double sinks. They are, you know, now maybe it's just the, the couple, the married couple. So they want a whole little condo in their, uh, in their master suite and then, or excuse me, in their primary suite. And, uh, and then they also want kitchens, kitchens. Oh my gosh. You would not believe how picky people who have had four homes in their lives become with kitchens because they're like, oh no, I don't want this. The dishwasher is too close to the oven. And it's like, oh, does that, no, it doesn't impact anything. It's just a preference and I will find whatever. And I'm like, oh, have you heard of purchase plus improvements? Like we can move that. No problem. I've got so many contractors that can do that. And they're like, no, thank you. (laughs) I also find is that they are not interested in any updates. They do not want to touch a thing. So this includes even just not wanting to paint. Flooring, they're pretty picky about. So yeah, I'd say they get really picky about primary suites, kitchens, and the turnkey aspect of homes. That's really interesting. I, uh, I wonder what that person's, why there was a preference between the dishwasher and the oven. Was it just too much heat in one area or? I don't know. Homes are so, <laughs> homes are like the most personal thing we have aside from our own bodies. So um, it is, it can get very intimate learning exactly what someone wants and needs from their environment. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it can be a little jarring for sure. So that must be a great transition for you because I saw online uh, yesterday that you just took a new lead role as a lead designer with Extra uh, Extra Home Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, so I'm really excited. I am working with um, the lovely Kim St. Jean, and she is a really amazing interior designer with a really long history in Edmonton and in you know creating beautiful spaces. So uh, she and I get on like a house on fire and we've been working together for about a year now. 
I have just stepped up to the head designer and VP role at Extraordinary Interiors or the Extra Home Co. on socials. And yeah, that's really exciting. She runs the business development operations for the David St. Jean team that I'm with. And, uh, and so I was able to step up and fill that gap for our clients and, uh, and take on a lead design role, which is really, really exciting for me. And thank you. I'm, I'm really proud. That's like so exciting and so interesting. I'm sure over the past years you've seen development styles uh, change. What are you seeing from people right now? What are they looking for? I find Edmonton can be really heavily focused on trends. And I think that may be because we are, while we are a hub of artists and incredible people, we don't have the strongest foothold in architectural design and interior design in terms of being on the cutting edge of things you know we're not a San Francisco or or we're not in France we're not in like southern Spain where things are literally born and made so um yeah I I see with Edmonton we were very happily in the little farmhouse bubble which I was not ever having a good time in um and uh and we were it it's really tricky because we can we can get into little cookie cutter cycles and that really frustrates me I totally understand why people love it I mean it's attractive to lot to many many buyers for a reason but right now I'm seeing a big return to natural textures and materials um, which is, you know, in the right tone, very timeless, and uh, and a turn away from trends and um, back to more classic and timeless choices um, and colors, which is really nice. So I am I'm excited to be done with the all gray um, the all gray floors and walls of like 2013 to 2019. And uh, and move forward with hopefully a bit more warmth. Yeah, I felt like we lived in the gray land for so long. If I never see another gray bar do- barn door again, like I will be so grateful. <laughs> That's my personal preference. I was just talking to Kim St. Jean. There is nothing wrong with a pocket door. And if you have the opportunity to design it, to build it in like the first go around, I get that renovations like framing in a pocket door is challenging, but if you are building a home, just put in a pocket door. Barn doors have no place in interiors. That is just not okay. It just looks so out of place in my, in my mind. Oh, especially on bathrooms. What is private about a barn freaking door? Seriously, I can't. Oh. Nothing is the answer. The one of my favorite like design eras, I'll call it, is um is a COVID DIY. So I saw I've seen I I see these at least once a week where um people of course we all got so antsy inside and we're like look at these people on TikTok they can do it who are they that I I can do that too and um and so we get the we get the barn doors and we get the um, peel and stick tile backsplashes. That's never a good idea. Just learn how to tile. 
And then um, we get the like angular, weird painter's tape, geometric pattern wall. I don't get it, but they're doing it. So um, I just, it's not, it's not my thing, but it is fun to see that people had a lot of fun with their homes when, um, when it was the plague. So that's all good. Yeah, I heavily considered wallpapering certain walls in my apartment uh, and had like the wallpaper picked out. And my mom was like, this is so busy for your apartment. Like you don't have 10 foot ceilings. This is not going to look good. You will enjoy it. (laughs) I I love a good wallpaper moment, but you have to be so careful. I'm a wallpaper in powder rooms and guest beds. Those are, I think, perfect opportunities to go wallpaper because you can close the door and be done with it. Mm -hmm. And it's like you can add nice spice to bathrooms. Ryan, did you do any COVID DIY projects? Not inside. I'm lucky enough that I live in a fairly new house, but I do have a barn door in for my laundry room. And you know, when I bought the house, uh, I, I thought it was cool, but now it provides literally zero sound attenuation. So baby's room is like right next door and the, and we like the laundry is just clunking away in there and that barn door provides nothing, but some nice angular geometric shapes. It's also gray um, and just looks super heavy on our tiny upstairs wall. Yeah. So, uh, so thank you for that. I do have pocket doors as well, which I love, but the, the barn door. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you. I got to ask what colors are coming back. You said classic and and timeless colors are coming back. I'm an idiot. What are those colors? Um, well, they are um, basically warm whites have always been in, but people are happily straying away from the cool whites that can really make your home feel quite sterile. So people are getting more comfortable with the warm tones again. We are straying from the all white everything, which I, hey, I'm a fan of the all white, super clean, bright open. But we have to remember that we are designing homes and that needs, if it's just crazy high contrast all the time, that's not going to be happy. So we're seeing more um, sage greens, light grays, like a nice, I'm literally, I have my dining room uh, wall taped off to paint it Benjamin Moore London Fog after this, after this recording. Um, and then we're also seeing some really uh, classic just black and white tones and some really nice beige walls. I'm actually seeing a really big uh, revival of crown molding. People like it, really. And I, I, it does really add something extra to space. It is, however, a very big commitment because if it's only in one or two rooms, that can look um, quite inconsistent. Yeah, it's got to be the whole thing if you're going to do it, or at least the whole floor. Definitely, definitely. My uh, my favorite rule of design and um, and fashion, actually, uh, when I went to create sort of a wardrobe full of staples and when I go to create a timeless area is, was it, would this have looked great in 1992? Would it have great, looked great in 2002, 2012, and 2022? So, It might seem, you know, I'm not going to push it and go to the 80s because I think everyone was on a lot of acid in the 80s and what they thought would look cool might be very different. But um, like odds are a timeless home really does, you know, it does check all those boxes and same with, you know, a good outfit. So there are, 
there are many, many themes that, uh, that really carry on through, through different decades. And I think it's really important to consider because you want to love your home in, in five years because you can get a new couch, but it's pretty challenging to switch up all of your cabinets. Yeah. And move dishwashers and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, the, the house I grew up in was built in the eighties and, uh, my parents renovated it, but when we moved in, it had red wallpaper with, yeah, with white polka dots throughout the entire house. It was like, <laughs> and that's, I, why I, that's why the eighties is exempt from my rule of yeah. thumb. <laughs> yeah. There was green, there was, there was a room that had green carpet and a green painted ceiling and green painted walls. It, it didn't make any sense to me. So yeah, I, I don't know if we'll ever make it back there, but I do notice that, uh, you know, the younger generations are dressing like they did in the eighties now. So maybe we're going to see a return and wallpapers making a comeback powder rooms. My, I think my parents still have tons of that wallpaper left over in their basement. If you ever want a powder room to be, uh, to be done in some eye bleeding red and white polka dots, you give me a call. (laughs) I will let you know if I ever have a client with a daughter that really loves Minnie Mouse or something. Or someone blind. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasant View, great neighborhood. Why did you choose it other than it's like 10 blocks south of where you grew up? Um, all right, let's think. Okay, Pleasant View, the largest lots south of the river that are not cut off by uh, the LRT, like in Belgravia. So you get the front drive garages, you get the big backyards, and it is very nicely not on a grid, which is really, really, um, it really adds to the energy of the neighborhood. And that is one of the biggest reasons why I love old growth neighborhoods is they have an energy and a history. Just, I swear it's in the soil. So, um, yeah, you get every home looks different. There were a lot of, there was a lot of money put in here in the eighties and nineties. So you got some really big, beautiful custom homes. And that to me excites me so much because of the renovation opportunities and the opportunity to repurpose those homes um, and the design that uh, that wouldn't be made possible without some random professor that wanted to build a custom home in 92. So uh, yeah, I, I love Pleasant View for the uh, all the amenities, got a great rank, great school. and And the value really does hold because you're you're never going to be the most expensive house on the block, which is really, really nice. You are. You mentioned you're renovating your house. What uh, What are you doing in your house for renovations, if you don't mind sharing? Oh, I'm happy to share my exact layout and door code. Um, so we added a... Um, I have a... When I say we, I have an excellent team of contractors I work with. I am not so proud that I will let my house fall down. So... Um, kind of tore up the whole basement. I I live in a 19, late 60s, two story. So I added a basement suite, one bedroom basement suite, very bright for a basement. Um, And then this lovely beam is covering what was a massive, massive load bearing wall with lots of HVAC and electric. So it's a really big project. I think people tend to underestimate what removing a wall actually entails. So um, yeah, I've got a 12, 12 and a half foot um, beam, glue lamb beam in the middle of my house that kind of holds everything up. And when it started cracking just from uh, the wood drying, I was terrified that my home would fall down. 
So um, aside from that, redid the entire kitchen, um, opened up the whole space. You know, the love of open concepts is really, really massive ever since like I think early 2000s, like 90s, early 2000s. And uh, so I wasn't into the designated dining room, designated kitchen and the hidden living room. So I opened everything up, all new floors throughout, paint, everything. Yeah. And uh, and it's been so fun. I'm, I'm like a border collie. I need projects or I start to lose my mind. So, oh, and I also added um, upstairs laundry and a really large primary suite. I personally hate doing dishes and I like having people over and I am, as Ryan can attest to, perpetually 10 minutes late. I don't want to look at my dishes all the time and uh, I chose my condo specifically because the kitchen is like kind of in the living but kind of like off to the side and so when I'm at my desk or or the witch is in the living room um, or I'm at my sitting on my couch watching TV I can't see the kitchen uh, and the mound of dishes that I've just left there <laughs> but when I'm in the kitchen I can see the living room uh, so it's like kind of open kind of not um, which is lovely because yeah I just I don't want an island with with the sink in it uh maybe with this with an oven in it to cook but mm-hmm. i am just not on top of my dishes enough for my whole main floor to become my <laughs> personal dish nightmare totally. <laughs> that is uh you are in excellent company right now because i hate dirty dishes i don't mind unloading a dishwasher but if i have to stick my hand in some yucky water i will absolutely throw up. So I totally hear that. And that is the number one reason why I do not like or advocate for um, in-island sinks. Because I I absolutely think you need to be able to fill your sink or the counter next to it with dishes. And if you have a small pile of dishes, even, they're just sitting in front of you at the island. And that is horrendous. That is right in the middle of your kitchen. So I, I can absolutely appreciate why you wouldn't want to look at your dishes. And that is why I would recommend hiding them in the oven until you do. <laughs> <laughs> I have absolutely done that. I've shown up uh, ready, ready to take listing photos or like with the photographer to take listing photos. And uh, sometimes there are tenants in place or teenage kids or whatever. And there's a miscommunication or just a a lack of interest in getting this ready and I will just shove dirty dishes in like in the like sitting in the dishwasher in the oven in the fridge like wherever I can get things out of the out of the area yeah so but no I I can appreciate that and also you will never come over to my house apparently because I always have I always have at least a couple dishes and a crazy guard dog (laughs) yeah or a really really vicious guard dog that will lick your face off um, but yes, you're always welcome to come over and judge my uh, judge my open ki- my open concept for sure. I am totally happy with other people's dishes because it's not my job to clean them. I'm like, yeah, I to- I understand. I would be the same way. My dishes would be out. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, like it's just me and my partner. But Ryan has an open concept kitchen and a beautiful baby girl, and he just has a floor of kitchen. Yeah, you, 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 like the two of you were describing my kitchen, like sink in the island, uh, everything is open. So it, it's funny because I'm a big fan of it and it's really nice for the baby. 
Uh, you can watch what she's doing while you're doing anything in the kitchen. But uh, my wife was actually making a good point the other day that um, it's, t- it's tough for hosting. You, you don't have like designated hosting space. It's everyone just kind of congregates around where people are cooking all the time when you have people over and we don't really, because everything's open, you don't have uh, like designated space for everyone to go. So it's, it's tough to host. Maybe there's going to be a return to the enclosed kitchen for the dishes and for the hosting. Who knows? But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Who knows? Hopefully not totally enclosed. <laughs> the episode can be called, um, let's make fun of Ryan's house. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'll get a lot of listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just that basic guy with barn doors and open kitchens and white everywhere. Like, geez, I've learned a lot, actually. I'm a white walls everywhere kind of gal, but I am also like a, I'm a warm wood flooring gal. One of the best ways to make your home or your designs feel timeless is warm toned wood. It never goes out of style ever and it will not date your house, but a gray tone vinyl plank or a gray tone tile even that absolutely will just looking around at my gray tile uh, vinyl floor here yeah <laughs> um i i want to switch gears instead of making fun of my house some more what uh what were some of the un- other unexpected bumps that you hit during your your renovations you mentioned the load-bearing wall uh what else did you run into i would say just pure human um I don't want to call it greed, but it just everything. If all of your walls are open, you start to think like, oh, well, I may as well just spend the extra money to do the thing I wanted to do down the road because it's all open right now. Um, So I would just say uh, spoiled with opportunity. Um, And then permitting takes quite a while. I was not a member of IDEA at at the time of permitting. And, um, and especially with COVID, that was really, really, um, that was an extensive process. And luckily I had um, a drafter in my corner that was working with me and working with the city. So I was really fortunate for that. Permitting takes forever and labor shortages. I was the project manager of my, of my property and also a couple other flips and renovations that clients of mine were doing. And it was going really well, but it can be really hard to find reliable, trustworthy tradespeople, and especially availability. My uh, my contractor's booking out months in advance, so it's, uh, yeah, I, honest, I would just say the most challenging thing would be labor and finding the right tradespeople for the job and finding someone you can trust yeah. uh, to show up and do the job. I think that's fairly common in infill situations. A lot of the builders that Mariah and I hear from are struggling with uh, the same things that you just mentioned there. Did you find any uh, like weird quirks or DIY projects when you opened up the walls that uh, that needed to be rethought? Copper tube in the walls or an old speaker system or anything crazy? Um, yes, something crazy. Something that was really fun for me to find. Um, opened up a wall. I can't remember. I think it was, I opened up one of my bedroom walls. And I found a ticket to a sex show from 2002. <laughs> it was like, it was a, I checked, it wasn't just like a, it wasn't just like a, a stripper kind of thing. It was like um, an intimate show of some sort. And it wasn't from Edmonton, but it was dated in 2002. And I love that because I, the previous owners of the home, 
that I renovated are they've since passed away and I purchased it from the uh, from the kids so I like to think that those two elderly folks had quite the time in their what I would assume would be around their 60s so that was fun and I have also had two homes Oh, I've had two home projects I worked on where we found guns in the ceiling or the wall. I'm talking like 22 shotguns. Yeah. And uh, and one time my dad was doing demo and he just like pulled down some, some gypsum from the ceiling and it was, abs- it just bonked him on the head. This gun just like fell out of the ceiling, hit him on the head, landed on the floor and he's sitting there just kind of stunned because he got thonked in the head and then he doesn't know if this gun's loaded and it just fell on the ground so he doesn't know what's gonna anyway it was really funny we also found some horse racing tickets with the gun in that scenario so I don't even want to know what kind of business they were involved in might have something to do with like a glue factory or something I don't know maybe it was a horse doctor situation but yes we found some pretty interesting things there yeah I, I think that's it I've had uh, a friend of mine renovated and he found a bunch of um, newspaper, like as insulation and stuff. So a uh, newspaper from Edmonton, I think it was Edmonton Journal in the 20s. So that was pretty fascinating to see. And he ended up framing it in his house. So yeah, lots of lots of old gems. I don't think I've had a, a single renovation project where we didn't find something of interest. And uh, it's half the fun. Is this is this something that you recommend to some clients too? Like uh, you having the the design background and having gone through a couple builds. Like somebody comes into a house and they don't quite like something. Does that give you a little bit of an advantage as a realtor to be like, oh, you know, it's actually not that bad to change this around? Or I have an army of contractors that I can call to help you do this. Like, does that uh, are you are you offering that service and are people taking up on it? Oh goodness, yes, one thousand percent. Especially right now, inventory is a little low. So people finding a home that checks 90% of the boxes, um, we can we can get that 10% or even 50% covered. And it is really, really nice to offer. Um, it's really nice to offer solutions to my clients. I am a very solutions, problem solving based person. And that is the way my brain works. So you know, even just with, hey, like, I don't think the space works with the furniture. I can't see how the room would flow. Um, you know, I, I don't know how our kids would live here or how that room would work or sharing a bathroom, that sort of thing. I, I really take a lot of pride in providing my clients with options and, um, and making the most of, of the situation and of the space. I think, uh, spatial efficiency is a lost art in many situations, especially in the prairies where we have a lot of space to sprawl and we've got a lot of room to have big, beautiful homes Uh, I think it's important to remember that um, the highest and best use of a space can be a really creative solution. And also there are some really, really ugly um, painted rooms in there. So it's nice to just say, hey, we can just literally spray this. Yeah, that's great. For people who have never hired a designer before to help help them through their process, what are things that you recommend um, that they be prepared for? Or maybe they come with like, ideas or questions to ask you? That is that is really interesting and I think a lot of that comes down to what they what they need and what they want. So a clear vision of what they want is really important. You need to, you don't need to know what you want it to look like exactly because that is 
you know, a large part of my job, but definitely knowing what you want it to feel like. So if you want it to feel warm and open, or if you want it to feel really art deco and funky, like tell us, you know, whatever kind of words you want to use, whatever you can, whatever you can put together that you want to associate with the space is really important. So just a clear understanding of your own desire um, for the space. It doesn't need to be super specific, but um, I'd say really as much communication as possible. Better to have too many ideas than too few. And uh, I always ask for a Pinterest board. Just, you know, show me what you like. Show me why you pinned it. That kind of thing. Uh, Pinterest is a really great solution for a lot of consumers. And, uh, and unfortunately, it can fill people with a bit of false confidence. But I, uh, I'm always happy to see what grabs a client's attention. So definitely a clear idea of what they want for the space. Yeah, it's a, uh, I know my Pinterest board is full of beautiful homes all across the world, which, you know, probably don't always align with our codes and zoning. Uh, and realistically, my budget here. <laughs> For those looking to buy their uh, first home uh, in an infill neighborhood, what are some things that you find are like commonly asked questions or things that you wish people had kind of thought about before coming to you? Oh, some commonly asked questions. I would say uh, what they want for really, uh, for the important stuff, for the bedrooms. We don't want to end up where, you know, a young couple buys a home because they love it and they knew they were both going to work at home and then all of a sudden they have a baby and they're short a bedroom. Like one of them needs to give up an office or they need to combine it for a nursery. So I think a clearish picture of the next five years of use. There's a lot of trust that needs to flow in the realtor client relationship and especially in the designer client relationship. And a really, really big part of that is just open communication. So if you're not interested in things, you got to make that clear. If you love things, you got to make that clear. Um, but I would, I would definitely say just honest answers to questions. So what, what kind of things you want, what you hate, I think, you know, a lot of people forget that we're not going to be offended if uh, if you absolutely don't want to live close to that road or if you don't like the way the stop sign is looking at you, whatever, like you just got to tell us or what you need for like what you will not compromise on for parking spaces in your garage or layout options or uh, what you really want for yard space because you don't want to move when you want a dog. So uh yeah, just just really clear answers on the non-negotiables. So recently, I bought a car. Um, my car got rear-ended and it wasn't usable anymore. And so I looked around at a bunch of uh, dealerships and used lots. And it was so fun buying a car in the pandemic. Highly don't recommend. Uh, but I did find someone who had been in the industry for like, 20 years understood like what was up and what was coming up next um what kind of would meet my needs for the next five to ten years uh what i liked about my last car things that i didn't think about before is that uh something that you find when people are buying a home and they engage with someone like really an expert in the industry because you think about this you do this every day uh i don't think about buying and selling a home every day so 
How, uh, how does that experience go for those who work with you? I would definitely say to uh, trust your experts. So there is an excellent, excellent reason why I do this every day and why I make sure that my clients are on top of it. A home search or a build or a design can be really, really consuming and and also so stressful. Um, you can get kind of buried in it. And it's my job to take that on and keep the momentum at a healthy and sustainable pace and make sure that things are on track and we are still thinking big picture because it's really easy to get caught in the details. Um, and that, you know, applies to showings, buying, design, selling, all of that. So with buying a home, I would definitely say to have really clear parameters for your realtors and, uh, and let them do the heavy lifting for you. It should absolutely be well thought out, but it should not be as stressful as at times it is for people. And, um, and for the design side of things, I would say same, same thing. You should come to your designer with concepts and ideas, but you should not be, you know, we're not just there to source things for you. We can provide really, really helpful um, insight and, and value in that sense. So I think I think people, especially in this very digital age of um, very intelligent consumerism, it's really easy to feel like you are the best person for the job because we can gain so much knowledge from um, from other sources. But you have to lean on your experts because we do this all day for a reason. And there are things that we know and that we want to watch out for that you just, you can't know unless you're in it. So I would for sure say lean on the experts. So from your expert opinion, in in Phil neighborhoods, people are looking for different types of housing. Uh, They're willing to live in garden suites, secondary suites, single detached, semis, row housing. Uh, what are you seeing for people's demands and what's coming up in 2023? Um, I am seeing a big uptick in people being open to duplexes and row housing and semi-attached and attached, which is really exciting because um, there are so many people that think infills are just skinnies. And while that is a really big part of what the city is currently rolling out, there are some absolutely amazing options that are are duplexes and that's not your mom's duplex. Like seriously, this is this is not the duplex of yesteryear. These attached homes are beautiful. They're beautifully designed and they are functional and sustainable and completely soundproof. So uh, I'm I'm seeing a big shift in the uh, in the open mindset which I absolutely appreciate. And there are lots of people that want a tenant and they want to, you know, do the house hacking, but they aren't cool with a basement suite because they need more bedrooms or because they just don't want to, you know, have it feel like a roommate or anything like that. So garden suites, garage suites, it's opening up a really interesting channel for people to get creative with their housing. And, you know, just with the fact that our city limits haven't quite been closed, it is, uh, it's exciting to see this density question be answered before it needs to be, before it's a necessity, because we're already moving towards 
more sustainable and forward-thinking housing. So I'm really excited to see people get more comfortable being creative and kind of jumping more into the unknown. And I love that people, you know, maybe it's from, you know, feeling a bit more connected with the world of uh, a pretty universal experience of COVID. Um, But I feel like we've all opened up to more international ideas and that has bled beautifully into design and real estate, of course, by as it goes. Well, I don't even know a better place to end our conversation than right there. <laughs> um, the last thing we do with all of our guests is a call to action uh, to our listeners. So I'm wondering if you have a call to action for, the, for our listeners today. Absolutely. Um, I would just say use experts, utilize us. Do not try to DIY a home sale. You will sell for less money and you will have a terrible time. Um, and we're here for a reason. So uh, talk to us, ask us questions, and let us kick butt for you. Well, thank you so much for spending your afternoon with us, Kimberly. I know Fridays are not always the best days to spend in front of your computer screen all afternoon, uh, but I really enjoyed the conversation. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I am really, really excited to be more involved with the association and get to know some wonderful, like-minded Edmontonians. We are, we're a tough breed and it's really exciting to see what's coming next for our wonderful city. Well, that was a fascinating episode. I know I really love talking design. Me and my mom talk about it all the time. She's an interior designer as well. Uh, But I really do feel bad about how much we picked on your house, right? (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Going to put it up for sale pretty quick here. So Kim will hopefully be the realtor selling that. Yeah, I've I've picked apart every little piece that the two of you left unpicked. So... Yeah, it's. Uh, I learned a lot. It's crazy. Uh, even in the after we finished recording, she was like, she could see in my background, and she was like, you know what, would be really good there is, you know, some natural wood accents there that would really like clear up the space or whatever. There's a lot that I learned. I didn't know anything about, you know, what a classic or a timeless color is. That's why I asked her that. Like, I thought that seafoam green was still a, a popular color, but apparently that's out now. We're talking about sage greens, grayish, which I had to look up beige beiges are back what's going on beiges are back in a big way (laughs) i think you need to get on tiktok ryan it will tell you all of these things (laughs) (laughs) is that what tiktok's for that is 100 percent what tiktok is for um what i'm most excited to come back i did talk a little bit about the wallpaper uh and i love wallpaper but if you do have tall high ceilings i think there's some really beautiful crown moldings that are like a little bit timeless, but also a little bit modern that you can add into a space uh, that just create like texture and interest into your home um, that kind of like sets it apart a little bit and gives it that personality. When I think of crown molding, all I think about is like heritage and historic homes. So it's um, like big, very ornate moldings around the entire room. That's all I think about. Um, Is there, are there more varieties and more modern versions of this oh yeah there's like beautiful really like simple designs uh i really like the ones that are like kind of like 
more C shape, but more of like a elongated angle. Um, and so it just gives the room a little bit of like a slight curve. Um, it has very like minimal line work in it. Uh, yeah, there's like, you can get it from any type of style, time frame that you want. Just don't put it in a short, short uh, room because it makes it feel really awkward. <laughs> Doesn't make any Good sense. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> I was uh, I was actually in uh, an infill house over the weekend um, in Glenora, and they had this fabulous little powder room that had the craziest wallpaper I've ever seen. I know I described the, the house I grew up in and the wallpaper that was in there. This wasn't very far off, except it was uh, different colors, but um, it worked so well just in this little powder room. Like everything else was kind of neutral. Um, I'm sh- I don't remember, but I'm sure a lot of it was grayish or beige or whatever we're talking about. But the the one powder room had this like really crazy wallpaper. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that it's making a comeback. And I, I, I liked what, uh, what Kim said there about, you know, maybe in smaller spaces or don't overwhelm, uh, don't overwhelm with these crazy patterns. So yeah, are you, do you have any wallpaper in your house? I don't, I don't have tall ceilings. So uh, it would need to be like, a larger design. Uh, if you put too tight of a design, it would make it feel too busy. Um, and I just, I don't think I have the space for it right now. But in my next place, I definitely will. By chance, were you in a Timberhouse project over the weekend? Because they have it wasn't, one project no. in Glenora. In maybe it's North Glenora. They have really beautiful uh, wallpaper in their washroom. So shout out to our last guest. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I I don't remember who the builder was. It was uh, it's fairly new, and I they they told me, but it wasn't one that I'd heard of or that we'd uh, interviewed here. But yeah, I just that that kind of stuck with me. What else stuck with me is the barn doors. I remember my dad going through this huge phase about barn doors, and when he saw my place for the first time, he was like, "Oh man, look at this cool sliding barn door." And you know, he grew up on a farm, so maybe that's where that like love comes from. But I also went through a small phase where I thought they were the coolest things in the world. And when I was uh, renovating my previous uh, unit, I actually contemplated it, but the wall wasn't big enough for the the mechanism that you needed to put on top. Um, so I went with the pocket door and I was like disappointed about it. And now Kim's telling me that the pocket door is actually really good. Everything I thought I knew was upside down. So we need more guests like her on. Yeah, the pocket door is timeless. It will... Uh, be great for such a longer period of time the barn door just like really limits what you can do with the rest of your space yeah um and uh, yeah it doesn't provide the privacy that you often need um in different rooms yeah talking about pocket doors and putting things inside of things my parents have this really beautiful sunroom and the person who built it before he had built this underground kind of like hot tub that was like huge steel hot tub 10 12 person but it was like so cumbersome and like cut up the room in such an awkward way so my mom built uh, a new floor over top of it and she like cut it down and stuff um but she was given a doll at one point that um had kind of like halloweeny vibes and so her and my brother hung the doll inside the hot tub when they were finishing the floors. So if anyone ever goes to take up those floors, they're going to find this out, like Halloween doll thing. And I'm just like dying. It's going to be so funny. Um, so yeah, hats off to the future homeowner of my parents' home. <laughs> I love that. I kind of love that. Like even the stories that Kim was telling where the like guns are falling out of the ceiling and there's old tickets and like, 
uh, tickets to old events or whatever. Like I find that fascinating. And I didn't even think that some people might've put that there purposely, like your, like your brother did (laughs) (laughs) just to make people wonder what the previous owners were up to, uh, during at the time of, uh, construction. Yeah. My grandparents, they just moved out of their uh, really old house in Hazel Dean. It's like, they were the original ones there. It's like right on Argyle that my dad was like, Oh yeah, we grew up there. And then the across the street was farmyard. Um, Anyways, so they, they're moving out of the house. So they're moving all of the old furniture and stuff and taking all the fixtures off. And they found a whole bunch of newspaper in the wall as well. So I think like what Kim was saying, there's lots of weird stuff in the walls that, you know, I wonder if what we're doing now, people are going to look at differently in 50 years or something when they're ripping down our houses. You think it's going to be weird? Oh, hundred percent. They're going <laughs> to laugh so hard at us. It's going to be hilarious. We think so many things that the previous generation did is all wacky and wonky. Uh, I am sure there'll be a list of a thousand things that our generation did that was weird. Like storing, uh, like we don't have any limits on how much we store online. Like all of my photos and stuff. That is a big, that is an environmental footprint that we're not contemplating, but we don't need to go down that road today. <laughs> no, that's a big topic. Yeah. As I look at my email with, uh, you know, nothing sorted and nothing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Anyways, let's transition here. The, the one thing I found interesting was, uh, how many clients are looking for like completely finished products. Like I don't even want to paint. I want to move into something that's completely turnkey and it has to be perfect. I was wondering where you came out on that, uh, on that argument. Like if, if you saw a space that, you know, could be perfect with a little bit of renovation, or if you want something that's like perfect from day one. Uh, I'm pretty in the camp of like, if it's hard to do, I want it to be perfect from day one. Uh, so the place that I live in now, I waited for a year for a unit, an end unit, <laughs> not even just any unit Specific. in, in, uh, the building to come up for sale. Um, and I wanted it to face south so we could get lots of light. Uh, our apartment has a living room that divides two bedrooms, both with, uh, extra bathrooms. We live close to university, so we'll be able to rent it out one day. These were like very important things. AC was on my list, which is like not a thing in downtown Edmonton. A balcony space, which came in very useful um, over the pandemic when we didn't have access to outside. Uh, so yeah, so I had like a lot of things that had to be there for me to buy a place, but like the whole place got painted. Uh, I did, redid the bathroom floors, redid the bathroom vanities, new mirrors. Um, yeah, small things, put up shelves here and there. I've painted the kitchen cupboards, but yeah, I'm not moving any walls. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound like you're opposed to renovations either. So if there's small things that uh, that need to be done, it doesn't scare you off. No, I've tiled my fireplace, which was like an adventure and a half. There you go. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's prettier than it was. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, and you'll always feel good about it being done, I guess. Yeah. I'm the complete opposite. So I had like a, a I don't know if I, I can't even remember if I had a list of things to give my realtor. I was just like, I want, and I'm talking about my previous place when it was just me looking now with my wife looking for this place, it was a way different process. But when I was just looking by myself, I had a very short list of things. I was like, uh, has to be downtown, uh, has to have a balcony and, uh, uh, I guess two bedrooms would be nice, but that's not even, <laughs> so she showed me all of these places and I, like, I walked into all of them and I just, I, I felt like I would just know 
know when the right one would be the right one, you know, like I, and I always inevitably found myself going like, oh, that's not perfect. But like, you know, take that wall out and move this over. And I, I found myself like just thinking about projects that I had no skill or capability to take on at all. <laughs> um, but that wasn't really, that wasn't really scary to me. So the, the unit I ended up buying uh, is an east facing unit, which I didn't even think of at the time. I thought it was like, orientation wasn't really even a thing that I considered when I was thinking about like balconies, but the sun gets so bright in the mornings. So I'm a fairly heavy sleeper. It was fine, but I lived with my brother at the time. He's not a heavy sleeper and he struggled. Like he had to put up uh, a second set of blinds, uh, blindfold every night, orient his bed. So he's like away from the windows because the sun just beams in and it got so hot in the mornings um, that it was, yeah, it was something that I didn't even consider. So I'll definitely, you know, rethink that later on um yeah anyways enough about me so who do we need to shout out here oh i actually met someone at our infill symposium event which my god congratulations you pulled off an amazing event it was hugely successful do you want to take a second to talk about it really quick or should i just shout out the person i met i just want to say thank you so much to all the people who came out uh to listen to the different panels uh to meet other people in the infill industry to our amazing sponsors and to our amazing volunteers and Ryan uh, I know you wouldn't say it on this podcast but you were a key part of making the symposium happen um, yeah we had Epcor the city of Edmonton industry specialists out and, and some pretty decent food and decent drinks so yeah I think it was all over good time a couple counselors showed up um, we had like what 80 people almost show up uh, through the course of the the afternoon mm-hmm. yeah yeah the panels were great the food was awesome the space was great um the music was fantastic if i do say so myself and yeah i met some people there that actually listened to our podcast that was the first thing they said to me so today i want to shout out evan who's a lawyer and him and his wife own a small uh, law firm here in town they're doing some really cool things with uh um, with real estate law i got to talking to him for a little bit but again the first thing he said to me was hey i'm a big fan of your podcast so thanks for listening evan really appreciate it thanks so much evan have a great afternoon ryan i will see you after thanksgiving catch you later